Welcome to Shop Talk by Elevated Stylists, a podcast for the thriving community of stylists and salon owners where we discuss topics in business, wellness, mindset, and all things hair. Join us on this journey as we elevate together. Welcome to another episode of Shop Talk. This is episode 19. Today we have a special guest. We're so excited to be chatting with her. Her name is Nina Tulio. I'm sure you guys all know her. She is a leading industry expert in salon business. She's a speaker, an educator, and she's helping salon owners and stylists all around the world grow their business while also growing themselves, which is what we're passionate about at Elevated. And with 26 years under her belt, Nina takes a unique approach to education. Her mission is to encourage her clients to grow through personal development, self-care, all while offering the tools needed to be building a thriving, sustainable, and profitable salon business. I mean, does that sound amazing or what? Without further ado, let's just dive into the episode. You guys are going to learn so many great tools. We're so excited to have her and so honored that she took the time to have a chat with us. Welcome, 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 guys. We have a special, special guest. Um, this episode is going to be so dope. I can't wait to you guys hear it. Today, we're here with Nina Tulio, and we're so excited to have her on your show. And there's just so much to talk about. And we're just going to really get into it. And I think that one of the topics that um, we're afraid to talk about in this industry a lot of the times is money um and this topic's been swirling around a lot in our industry i know a lot of people are talking about profit and revenue and money and pricing and are you profitable and i feel like it's creating a little bit of fear in this industry because everyone's like oh my god am i profitable am i not um what am i doing right what am i doing wrong and i think nina you're just such a like a bold raw real expert on this because of the experience that you've had in the industry and we're so excited to have you so thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me i am so pumped i was so looking forward to this conversation so i'm ready to dive in yeah let's go for it tell us a little bit about your experience <laughs> so my experience i've been listen i've been in the game for a long time and i feel like every time i say 26 years i'm like oh my God, it went so fast. Like I remember my first year in cosmetology school, you know, and that was back, back a ways because I went to Votech. So I I've served in many facets of this business. So yes, I was a commissioned salon owner for 11 years. Yes. I was a hairstylist for 20 years, but I was also a district manager for about five or six years. And I worked for a company and I ran eight of their salons and had 55 employees and eight direct reports. And I was also a partner in, in opening salons in South Florida with the, the people that I worked with, my mentors. Um, we opened up five salons in one year in, in Southern Florida. And so I, I've been through all of the things and I'm very, very fortunate to have great mentors that you know, I shared a good eight years of my life with, and now I get to pay it forward and pay, you know, the experience that I've learned from them or, or their, you know, journey, and then creating my own experiences and mistakes, mistakes along the past 26 years in my own journey. So it's been an amazing ride. And I feel like there's so much opportunity in this business. You know, I sold my salon in 2016 and everybody always assumes that when people sell their salon, it's like doing horribly, you know, like people are like, Oh, you sold your salon. I remember getting a lot of like heat from this in the beginning when I first sold it, like, Oh, she must be doing really poorly in her business. And no, it's actually the opposite. Like when you have an opportunity to sell your salon and it's profiting and it's doing between a 17 and a 23% profit, that's the time you want to sell it because it's at its peak. 
And that's the reason why I sold it. And it was a two-year process. It was a two-year exit strategy. And my husband was looking for jobs outside of Pennsylvania, where we used to live, where we're from. And it just kind of all came together very well. And now I'm on my second career in this business, which is, you know, working with and coaching salon owners and stylists. And I'm rolling in on year six in doing that. So it's been quite a ride and I have loved every single moment of it. I love that so much because we need, we need these coaches in our industry. And you, you said that you've been doing it for six years. Like I wish that we found you guys six years ago when we were looking for our coaches, because we had to go externally. We had to go to business coaches and financial coaches and life mm -hmm. coaches. We didn't have anybody who was specifically for our industry knowing, you know, and have experienced it themselves. Um, so I just think it's so amazing that we have these types of facilitators in our industry now that can, can help other salon owners or suite owners. Yeah. And it's shifted it's a lot. You know, I think that when I first started doing this, you know, in 27, early 2017, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say about business. Nobody wanted to hear about sales and, and increasing sales and profit margins and pricing and, and money story and all of the things. And, you know, my business has changed and evolved over the last six years too, but it was very, very hard to get people to pay attention. And now since 2020 and since COVID happened, that really shifted everything where people now are paying attention. They're craving information. They're craving information about understanding how to make a profit and how to read a profit and loss statement and how to understand their price per minute and price per hour, which I absolutely love. So I think, you know, I'm still grinding it out over here. Don't get me wrong, but there is so much more opportunity. Um, and there's so many more people that are talking about this, that, um, it's now collectively become a thing, you know, it's become something that people really want to learn more about because the industry has shifted and moved in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for a long time, it created a lot of fear and a lot of resistance and like, mm -hmm. I think that the story that people were telling themselves is like, I suck with money or like, I'm not good at math. I remember you wrote, um, one of your reels was like, yeah, I actually like didn't make it in math and I sucked at math. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think these stories that we tell ourselves is what actually holds us back. And it's creating a lot of fear. Cause like salon owners, like we're, we're hairstylists first before we become, we become salon owners. Sure. Yep. Right? And then you have to have a paradigm shift all of a sudden, shit, I have to know all these things that I didn't know. Right. And yeah. your accountant's not like the one that's going to help you. They're just there to like kind of do your bookkeeping and do your taxes. But the rest of it, like you really have to figure it out. And it's so it's so amazing that like there are more teachings like this. Can you like elaborate a little bit more on like why price per minute and price per hour is so important? Because I think that there's so many different models out there that it could be a little bit confusing, at least for myself too. I feel like um, getting a little clarity on like the price per minute, the price per hour versus some of the other models that are out there. Yeah. I think, look, you know, I, I coach and teach to the space of you have to know yourself and your business and what works best for you. I'm just going to be a guiding light and, and, and a coach and mentor to show you what, what can be great. And it may work for your business and it may not. There are many scales of pricing that work well for different types of people. And I think knowing your price per minute and your price per hour allows you to price services 
based on facts and not fear. The reason why we're nervous and we're fearful about it is because we don't know. It's like when you're learning how to do a haircut for the first time, like you're scared shitless to do that haircut when it's your first time. But after you've done it four or five times, it gets more comfortable. We lean more toward the creative side though, because we are creatives first, like you mentioned. And we kind of steer away from the numbers because it isn't something that we do every day. And it's not something that someone is teaching us every day. Now that we have that shift, and we have people like me and, and other coaches that are really talking about this, it makes it easier for people to feel, feel less fearful. So I think when you know your price per minute and your price per hour, it allows you to understand that if I go below this number, I'm losing money in my business, right? Whether you decide to go hourly or you want to go a la carte package pricing, whatever you live for in your life. It's good to know that because it allows you to make decisions that are good for your business and not for anybody else's business. And when you know your price per minute, which is what I coach a lot to, and, and my teachings are based on price per minute, um, it's all fact-based because pricing is based on five things. It's based off of time, product, total business expenses, target profit, and hours worked. So there are other things that go into it, of course, and you have to know your market, do market, some market research and know your demographic, but that's <clears throat> how we price services. And when you have those facts and then you have, a, like I have worksheets that I provide where you could plug in all of your numbers and it will do the work for you. You're like, oh my God, if I look at this price per minute PPM and I'm not at whatever, $1.21, we'll just use that as an example. If I'm not there now, I know I'm losing money. Right. So I think it's just gaining knowledge and information and facts. So now when you feel like Karen wants you to discount, you're not going to, because you know that every single dollar counts in your business. And now you have facts behind it. As you noticed, when I talked about the five things that go into pricing, one of the things that I didn't mention was your emotions, your feelings, and also your self-worth. So mm -hmm. if any of you thought any of, if you follow me on Instagram, I did a video about, um, how we have to stop saying charge your worth because worth is something very, very personal. And it's something that pertains to you on a very, very deep, deep level. A lot of us struggle with personal worth, right. And feeling worthy. So if we tie the two together and we say, okay, if I, if I feel that I'm not worthy, then why am I going to charge X, Y, Z, right? Like if somebody would have said to me in my first few years of being in this industry, charge your worth, I would have been like, okay, my haircuts are $2 because I didn't believe in myself. Do you know what I mean? So we have to separate the word. We have to separate the words worth and price and really swap out the word worth for value. Because when you think about value and what you provide behind the chair, value is something that you can, um, it, it's tangible, right? It's your talent. It's your skill set. It's your total guest experience. It's the way that you make people feel. It's your quality of work, right? Which is part of that guest experience. That doesn't have anything to do with self-worth at all. So years ago, I stopped saying charge your worth because it just didn't sit well with me because I'm thinking like, this is so much deeper. Like self-worth is so much deeper and it doesn't have anything to do with the way with the way that you price services and the way that you're charging people. So I I'd love to kind of keep that, that going where people are, are not thinking so personally and so feeling based and thinking more about the value that they can provide to their clients. 
I love that. I love when you, I, I had, a, I had that in my mind. I'm like, I feel like she's going to say value. I feel like she's going <laughs> to say value. I love that you made that distinction because self-worth is something really personal. And it is so deeply rooted to an origin story that most of us don't even have access to. Mm-hmm. We don't even know where our unworthiness is coming from. We don't even know where, why we feel like that. We don't even know how we can even get out of that like lack of self-worth. It's so much deeper than, than what meets the eye. So I'm so happy that you mentioned that. And, and to switch that to value is so important because we do so many things behind the chair that are tangible, but also aren't tangible, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the way that you make your client feel like mm-hmm. the conversations that you have. I'm sure you all feel like therapists at one point or another throughout your appointments with people. And even like the things that is valuable when you go to a salon, right? The experience that they give you, the, the, how they look after you, that doesn't have anything to do with their worth. It's their value proposition. It's what they're, what they're putting behind the price. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And I mm. think that I love that you mentioned that. And yeah, let's keep that language, like really almost kind of clean, you know, like let's clean up our language and be intentional with how we're, we're sending these messages out to people because not everyone's able to discern between self-worth and value, right? Sure. It's always oh, very blurred. <laughs> it's been blurred for a very, very long time. And that's why a lot of us are discounting constantly. And we are feeling like we have to give services away for free and we have to, you know, meet the client where they are. The difference is, is when you know the value that you provide, you stand true in your standard and the clients meet you where you are. There's a difference, right? They rise to your level. You don't come down to, to what they're asking. And so I think that, um, it's changing. And I think, you know, with the charge you're worth, it's definitely shifting. Uh, and I think that should we continuously work on our personal self-worth? Absolutely. Because that is going to give us more confidence as we approach situations behind the chair, but it doesn't have to be intertwined when it comes to pricing and the way that you're servicing your clients. Yeah. I love that. Such a great, great um, comment. Um, I know we were talking about earlier about, you know, it's all fine and dandy when you see all these fun, amazing things happen in the salon, but a lot of people don't see the struggle that happens behind the salon and behind even being an independent stylist. I'm not an independent mm-hmm. stylist. I never was. So I don't know the struggles of being an independent stylist, but I definitely know the struggles of being a, a salon owner. And I know that, you know, so I'd love for you to share um, and like shed some light on some of the struggles that you've experienced that have, have brought you to where you are today. Where the hell should I start? I mean, there's been, so- <laughs> there's been so many mistakes that I've made in my business. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I, I almost closed my business twice within the first, um, four, four to like four years, almost coming into my fifth year, I had a a turning point in my fifth latter part of my fifth year, but the first four years of my business was a shit show. I mean, from almost closing twice, um, to going $90,000 in debt, you know, but, and these, these are, this is all my fault, you know, and that, and it's, I take accountability for that. And that's the reason why I was able to change it. But, um, you know, I was down to $800 my first year in business. I had $800 left in my bank account. And I had an employee that always came first. I had to pay her. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to pay her? Where's my payroll going to come from? You know, and I didn't have a lot of money in savings. So that was just a scary, scary time for me. And, you know, I think probably one of the, the worst things was 
I ended up getting in debt with the IRS and that was tough because they were sending me like, you know, certified letters and it's just a bad, like a sick feeling in your stomach. And this is coming from a person who always had a very, very high credit score. So when I got into $90,000 in debt and I started making poor choices when it came to money and finance and marketing and how I was spending my money, um, the IRS was just compounded it, but probably worse than that was when the creditors, I had creditors calling me because I had all of this debt. Obviously I couldn't, and I was broke. So I had debt and I was broke, um, like massively broke. And that wasn't the first time I was broke. I've been broke before. And I had creditors calling, threatening to take out my salon furniture. It actually makes me emotional even to this point. And I'm, you know, I'm talking that we're going probably 11, 12 years back. Um, but that money shit, like that stuff, it, it sits within you. And I've been in therapy since I'm 21 years old. I've been working on a lot of things, but that still gets me a little bit um, because it's kind of like, I built all of this. How are you going to come in and take my furniture? But then the other side of me is like, you did this, like you did this, you know? And I think the only reason that my business changed moving forward, because after year five, my business grew 20 to 30% year over year, um, was because I did take accountability. I took a, I took a step back and I said, how did you get here? First of all, why are you making these poor financial decisions? It had a lot to do with my core money story, which I had to work on. Um, and what can I do differently? Because I know that I'm a good leader and I know that I deeply care for people and I want them to do well. I didn't want to disappoint my team. That was the driving force behind all of this to, to stay open, to continue to do this. So I sold my home to keep my business and that was my choice. And that's kind of what kept me afloat. And I sold my home and moved into a one bedroom apartment and I had to make, I had to own my shit and I had to say, well, you got here. So now you got to clean it up. And you have team members that are relying on you to show up. Don't disappoint them. Like, yes, this is your goal and your dream, but this is their dream too. And so, um, it gets me, it just gets me because if I think about my team, which I'm still incredibly close with to this day, it was very transparent about what was going on in my salon. Um, they stuck with me, you know, and they trusted me. And even at my darkest times, it was like, they were still there. And that made me push even more. Like I had to do it for them, you know? And so when people see all of this stuff that's happening and, and, you know, Maybe they look at me and think that there is success behind what I've done. And um, everybody has their own definition of what success means, but there's been a lot of mountains that I've had to climb to get to that point. And even in this business, for the first two years, I couldn't even get people to buy tickets to come and see an event that I was hosting. You know, nobody wanted to pay attention to what I had to share when it came to business. And there were dark moments where I was like, I, I quit. Like this sucks. Like nobody cares. And I'm not, I'm not reaching people. Um, and my husband, I always, you know, I, I take into account what he said to me one day and it's, have, he said it to me many times cause I've had many breakdowns over the past six years, but he's like, look at me. This is the time when 99% of the people quit this moment right here. You don't quit. You're the 1% keep doing your thing. Keep showing up in your authentic way. Keep sharing your story. And I was like, you're right. 
I'm not going to quit because I've been through some shit. And so if I can get through the $90,000 of debt and selling my home and all the things in my business and people threatening me and the IRS sending letters, like I can get through this, you know, like there's a deeper grit in there that you kind of have to reach for. So if you're on the other end of this and you're feeling that, that moment where you're ready to break, where you're ready to quit, I promise you on the other side of that is your power, is your greatness, is your dream, is your success because that is that means that we're being pushed. It means that we're being pushed toward greatness and we just have to hang on just a little bit longer. And you are the 1%. You know, you are that 1%. So keep pushing through. So yeah, there's been a lot of shit. So I just unpacked it all. There you go. There you have it. Love it. <laughs> I love it. You know what? It's like I feel like there's a there's like a lot of people don't see the struggles that salon owners go through mm -hmm. because they think that owning a salon, you, you're, you become rich instantly and that you're living on a pile of money while your, your, your staff is working, but there's so much shit that goes on in owning a salon. And also as an independent stylist, I'm sure people know when they become independents, they're, sure. they are their own salon, you know, they're mm -hmm. their own salon. Yeah. They're not managing a team, but they have a lot of the same things that happens in a, in a salon finances in a salon environment. So I just think it's so nice that, that, we're able to share those stories and just be real with it. And so that people can really understand that, Hey, there's, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. There are some rainbows and unicorns, but there's not always rainbows and sure. unicorns, a lot of dark clouds up there. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to pave your way, you know, your, you know, something that you and I were chatting about before is that your passion for business, your passion for people, your passion for yourself and your dream has to supersede any fear that comes through it. And so it's that passion that gets us through and that, um, that, uh, determination that really pushes us through in those darkest times. And listen, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone that is living their desired, um, success without having dark moments and making a shit ton of mistakes and really even going through financial issues. You know, I, I know, I know it's a tough subject and people don't really like to talk about it, but I do, I want to share it. And I'm, I'm older, you know, I've been in, in this for a while. I'm in my forties. Like I feel settled. I feel confident enough to talk about it, you know? And so I think that with that and the experience that I've had and with the mistakes, like, why wouldn't I want to share that? If I could help people not go through the 90,000, not even the $15,000 of debt, you know, to not have the IRS send letters, to not have, you know, creditors threaten to take your car, or your furniture. They, they threaten to take my car too. I was like, uh-uh, I'm paying that shit. I'm on time with the car. You are not taking the car. Like I put my foot down on that one. Um, but like people will test you, you know, and I feel like it's, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail. It's actually part of the journey. You know, it sucks at the time, but it really builds your strength and character. And we kind of have to hold on to those moments, you know, we yeah. learn from our failures. Like that's the only way that we learn is by going through something and not succeeding so that we can see where we went wrong and fix it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we're so, as a society, we're so 
worried and so scared to fail and so scared what everybody's going to think externally and you know what are we going to tell ourselves what kind of worth are we putting on ourselves if we fail and i think like just having that mindset shift of failure is a good thing like mm -hmm. it is the only thing that is going to teach us how to move forward how to pivot how to have that flexibility um because like sonia and i can totally relate with your story um we were like at that point too where we were like we're gonna sell the salon like we're done with this like it's too much it's too mm -hmm. much responsibility we have no clue what we're doing you know and it's just it's it's crazy the amount of work that goes into it you just did a reel where it was like talking about the other half of the commission like, where's the other half of the commission mm -hmm. going? And I think that that is such a, an amazing thing to talk about because I think a lot of stylists do think, where's that other 60% going? Where, like, where's all that money going? Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I mean, it would be great if, listen, if, <laughs> if salon owners were keeping 50% or 60% of their, their income, everybody would be a salon owner, right? I mean, right? we would have people lining up to be salon yeah. owners. Mm -hmm. That's not the case, unfortunately. Um, you know, in, in the United States, salon owners, commissioned salon owners or salon owners in general um, only make about an eight to an eight and a half percent profit. Eight and a half percent profit. That means that 92, at least 92% of their revenue is being expensed. Mm -hmm. And so- Typically, 50% of revenue coming in is going directly out the door to payroll. You know, I coach and teach to having less than a 50% payroll, right? You have to do that in order to make a profit. I coach to, to working toward a 20% profit, not an 8% profit. So that's, that, that's half, half of it. So if you're bringing in 200 grand, 100 grand typically is going already out the door for payroll and then you have taxes and then you have other taxes, you know, that you're paying for, not just payroll tax. And then you have your product cost, which can, you know, I, I coach to 6%, but it could, I've seen it up to 10, 15, 20% product cost, you know, when people are ordering in terms of what their monthly orders are, you know, you have so many expenses, all of the utilities, the software, you know, your, your light bill, your oil bill, uh, of course, all of the, um, the, the extras that are going along marketing and advertising. And there's so much that goes into it that it would be so great if owners could keep that. But at the end of the day, if they're making that eight to 8% 8 profit, they're lucky. That's the average. Do I know people that are making more? Absolutely. Do I know people that are making less? Sadly, yes, I do. Um, so there's just so much cost that goes into it. And, you know, the other side of it too, is we have to think of this this way is that when a salon owner takes on that role, you have to know going into it, that this is, you're going to be paying out a lot of money. You're not getting into it to make a 50% profit. That's not how it works in the commission land. Um, but also someone took a leap of faith on their, their dream of being a salon owner. And a lot of it is fueled by passion and really wanting to help and serve other people. And it isn't about the money it's helping and serving other people. And that goes with your team too. It's not just about serving your clients. You have to learn how to lead from a servant's heart with your team and to your team right? Because there's been a lot of shifts that have happened in the industry lately over the past two or three years. And 
stylists are wanting different things. And one of those things that they want is strong leadership. And if you're not feeling good and confident within yourself and your leadership style, you're going to have a hard time holding on to stylists. They want to be coached. They want to be led. They want to be guided and nurtured and they should be. That's the role of being a leader, you know? So I think there's a lot of components to it, but there is a lot of expense that comes with having a salon period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I love like getting into the, like, if you're going to open a salon, get into it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Like know that it's not just something that you're, cause I think like when we opened our salon, I was like, I want to make my own decisions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be yelled at by my bosses anymore. I want you know, to create this space where people can come and feel included and supported and this and that. And, you know, to hang on to that why is it's hard because Mm -hmm. then life happens and stress happens and bills come in and your why kind of drifts away and you're only focused on money and why you're not making it. And I think that we lose our why. And it is like when we take on that responsibility to hire others, we have to be that strong leader because that's what they're looking for. Like, that's what you sign up for. When you open a salon, like you got to know that you're signing up to, to help people, to share what you've experienced. Ooh, absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. 1 million percent. Yeah. And one of the things you also talk about too, which I really love is, um, which I don't think a lot of people talk about either is, is compassion and empathy. I think it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, you talked about how you, you switched up. I know that, um, you said that you, you went from like being in debt to being, you know, 20% in profit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you shared was that you changed your values and how you were showing up for your customers and your marketing and leading with compassion and empathy. I'd love for you to like dive a little bit deeper into that. Cause we did something like that a few years ago that honestly it flipped our business in the best way direction. And it wasn't something that we ever expected it to happen. I was like, compassion, empathy. What do you mean? That's going to make me more money. That's going to bring in more customers. That's what's going to bring me the team that I always wanted. And like, we hold on so tight to that. And it's something that drives our entire like business. And I'd love for you to give us your perspective on it. I just live in that space. Like it's part of my DNA. It's who I am as a person. So it wasn't that I I didn't lean into it before, but I didn't know how to outwardly express it or share it or market it or have it be a part of my marketing and my brand. I think that's where I went wrong because I really didn't have a brand the first, you know, four years I had a business, I had to do some recalibrating. Uh, But that's what we need, especially now, right? I shared a while back um, a post that said, salon owner, hairstylist, human. We're all human. And as a salon owner, you have to understand that your stylist, your receptionist assistants, they're human. They're all going through something. We have to understand how to coach and and mentor them in a way where they understand and they feel supported and seen. And for Mm -hmm. hairstylists, you also have to understand that your salon owner is human and they are also going through things and trying to do their best to keep the salon open. We're all human. And I think if we can really get down to it, and understand that we have to be respectful toward each other and everyone has a role. Um, And we just treat 
each other with compassion and love and empathy for sure. You know, the, the best leaders live in the space of, of huge empathy, your business will change. And I'm so glad to hear that your business changed because it's just really living in your authenticity. You can't really fake it. That's the thing. You know, you can't fake being empathetic. You can't fake being compassionate because people sense it. It has to come from your soul. And that's why this business is the coolest because I believe that we are an industry of deep caring humans. We, we are an industry of people who really want to be compassionate toward others because we serve them. We just have to tap into it a little bit deeper sometimes because we forget. We're just used to doing all of the things and showing up the way that we think people want us to, that we forget to be us. And so the best thing that you can do for your clients, the best thing you could do for your team and your business is be you. Live in your authentic truth and show up as you are. Yes, you have to have systems. Yes, to have to have compensation structure and package and all of those things in place too. But if you show up in, in an authentic way, you know, I believe that that's why my team stuck it out with me was because I was transparent and this is it. I mean, I think if you'd asked them when they worked with me in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way to 16, when I sold, I'm the same person I was and the same person I am now. Like I haven't changed, just got a little older and some more Botox. You know what I mean? So I think, um, I think that that's the best gift that you can give your people is just to be you and stop trying to be everyone else, you know? Yeah. And that's just such a, another topic I would say to be you, right? Because it's like, it goes down to the same conversation about self-worth and that's something that we all need to unpack within ourselves it's like who am I and what do I want to bring forward right and so when Jody and I did that big transformation when we had our coach he really got us to go deep into like what kind of leader did we want to be what how are we going to show up for these people first of all how are you going to show up for yourself mm -hmm. and what are the things that are valuable to you and I think that one thing that we forget and I talk about this a lot is how our businesses are is a reflection of how we are. How we're treating ourselves is how we treat our business. How we support ourselves is how we support our business. How we lead ourselves is how we lead our business. And that was something that I wasn't even thinking about until I was thinking about it, until I was shown. And I was like, wow, this whole internal world needs to come out. And it's like such a big reflection of what's happening mm. that we need to get a, a big grip on it. And we need to understand how to work with it. And I love that that message is going around and that more and more um, leaders, because I, I don't know about you, but like, I feel like salon owners have like a bad rep of like mm -hmm. being like dramatic or crazy or controlling or bossy. And I think that we're, we're lucky in this day and age in social media and the, the stuff that's going around that, that that story is starting to really shift. And I'm happy to see that. I'm really happy to see that salon owners are no longer like gringes or like people that people are afraid of you know it's it's people mm -hmm. that they're looking up to and I and I love that that's shifting because it makes me want to like step into it more sure absolutely and I think the shift part of it too is that salon owners are really stepping up and looking at themselves as leaders you know it it all starts with us it starts with us as leaders and so we set the tone in every single way and so in terms of like getting a bad rap and all of the things, you know, there's been some things that have been going on in our industry from salon owners that hasn't been great. You know, there have been things that have been going on with hairstylists that haven't been great. Right. But there is a sense of responsibility when you open a business and you bring people in that you're going to lead them, that you're going to be the leader. So you have to take ownership of that. And the 
the good thing is the shift that we're having is that salon owners are like stepping more so into their own power and into their own leadership, leadership style, and really understanding how the both come together. They have to come together. If you don't feel good about you, you're not going to feel good about the way you lead. If you don't think highly of yourself, you're not going to think highly of the way that you lead your team. You have to meld the two together. So I love that you you're sharing that. And I love that we're seeing that shift because, um, it's time, you know, it's really, it's really time. And I think it's just, people just need to come together. I think if we understood each other more and where we're coming from, I think we have the same result, but sometimes the way that things are being worded or shared, it's not hitting well, you know, it's not landing, it's not hitting well, it's not landing well. So I think that's shifting and changing. And I, I love to see that. I, I also think that there's like a, like an understanding that needs to happen because we can say compassion, we can say empathy, mm-hmm. but some people have no clue what either of those are, sure. or they have a thought of how they are, but don't really understand it. So I really think that like diving deep and getting to know and being curious about what that looks like, what does compassion look like for you? What does empathy feel like for you? And I know that I had no clue what those were until I started on my mindfulness journey. Like Mm. I took a mindfulness class and really started to understand what those things felt like for myself and then how I can externally give that to other people as well. And it has helped me so much with communication, with the way I react to things, you know, having compassion really, really helps you to sort through all of that so that you're not living in stress and reactiveness and, and all that sort of stuff. So I know that a lot of different, um, you know, healing, wellness, um, education, business tools, business words that are being thrown out there. Like if you don't understand completely what it means, like be curious, go and go and learn what it looks like for you and then kind of do some self-reflection. I love that. Mm. Truth. Truth. Yeah. Self-discovery and self-investigation is like one of the most important things that we love talking about. And I know that that's where it starts. It starts, it starts with the investigation part. It's like, get curious, investigate, discover, and see where that leads you. Um, we love to end the episode with a truth bomb, a real tea, we call it. So whether it's a truth or a tip or a takeaway, I know that there's been tons already. And like, I could pick Mm -hmm. out like five off the top of my head, but if there's something that you would leave us with kind of like drop the mic moment. Um, I know you got lots of those. (laughs) I know I'm thinking which direction I want to go because, you know, there, there's so many things that I would want to say, but I think, you know, kind of going back to being the biggest, like the best gift that you can give to your clients and and to your team is to be you and live in that authenticity. I think the best gift that you can give to yourself is to start uncovering that, you know, working on that, asking for help. You know, some of the people that have been doing the best in their salon they have people helping them. And I'm not talking about just business coaches and not even just me, other coaches too. Um, but they are wor- doing the work on themselves and whatever that looks like for you and whatever that journey looks like for you. But when you start to feel confident within self, you'll start to feel more confident in the way that you 
run your business. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, there is never a silly, ever, ever a silly question. If you're not good with math, it's okay. Like I, I shared before on my Instagram that I almost didn't graduate high school and I didn't get algebra one until I was a senior in high school. And I had a 59 and I was like, please let me get extra credit so I could graduate before my mom kills me. Um, I think it's okay to, to know that like, you don't have to be great at everything, but start discovering you and what makes you happy and what makes you fulfilled, start to serve yourself. Then you can serve others in a way that you maybe could never imagine. So that would be my little tip for the end. I love that. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> that is a moment. I love that because it's just, now you guys are left to go discover, discover yourself yes. and investigate and understand what it is you want to bring to this, like, not just the salon world. I think that we're, we're lucky to be in the salon industry. Really. It's freaking unique. Um, but I think that we're just special humans who want to be in the hair industry. You have to be a special human to mm -hmm. want to be behind that chair to serve people and be in that creative space. So this is your invitation to go discover and investigate what brings you joy and what really lights you up because nobody does this just because. Mm -hmm. Very true. Mm -hmm. Yes. So get out there and discover, 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 and take time for you. You know, yeah. make sure that you're taking time for yourself, continue to serve yourself so you can continue to serve others. I love that. I love Amen. that. Amen. <laughs> what a good conversation. Thank you so much for your time. It's been such a, a fun chat. Um, we're definitely going to have you back um, on this podcast Yay. to talk about more things, all the things. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for more. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you love what you're hearing and want to connect deeper, we invite you to join our membership program on elevatedstylist.com slash membership.